Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Hello everybody. Welcome everyone to the podcast. In every episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. So we're really here to help you as a professional in your job as a teacher and to make the choices that affect you in your classroom for the betterment of your students. Actually, can I just add something into that lovely introduction that you do and about why we're here for teachers? Yeah. Can I just add in there too that like, because we are part of the profession – we are just, aren't we, all the time just amazed and um, feel so privileged to be within this, within this profession and, you know, in some small way feel like we can give back to the profession again some more by bringing some information from, you know, from a lifetime of things that we've learnt and discovered and hope that, um, you know, that's a little bit that adds into um, a teacher's rich toolbox of things that they can bring to their day-to-day work. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that the other day that um, we are just really simply sharing um, and helping share some of the great practices of others as well. Yes. But just sharing with you what's really worked for us over yeah. many years in our classrooms, really. Yeah. And I suppose it's also prompted a bit by, you know, seeing um, we actually saw a study that had come out of Curtin University about the effect of adverse news about education and schools on our wellbeing as teachers. And so I think that just um, makes us feel all the more um, about being proactive, about being, well, just being um, uplifting of the profession Mm. um, rather than making people feel that they're not doing enough or Mm. that there is a lot that they need to fix. Mm. So, And we're very mindful of the huge demands currently in the current environment where teachers are doing the online learning um, and we fully, you know, we appreciate what's… Respect and appreciate, yes, all that's done there. So, yes, so I really just wanted to… Um, I really just wanted to almost as a thank you to everybody for everything um, that you're doing for the profession. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sharon, um, I guess the- <laughs> that, got, that got us off track, didn't it? <laughs> that got us completely off track, but a good no, track. No, it was a good track. A good track. Yeah, a needed track. And as part of our wellbeing, we've been mm. in the garden. Yes, <laughs> I know. It was like... You know, I caught myself saying, I'm going to allow myself a day in the garden 
to, um, you know, for well-being, like as if we had to um, actually allow ourselves to do it. I mm. guess that shows, you know, for all of us, you know, the intense or the intensity under which we're working. Um, but yes, we did have both have a great day. You were out mm. there. What is it? Top dressing. Top dressing the, the lawn. lawn. So you know all those bald and bare patches may <laughs> rejuvenate, and all those bald and bare patches in the garden where my experiments with plants have either gone wrong mm. or I just made completely inappropriate choices about what would grow there. We've filled some of those. And it's been good to have our hands in the dirt. And it's good that, uh, well, in Australia here, in Adelaide, the weather's warming up a bit and we're going into a warmer weather, which is... Well, it's actually freezing cold again now. (laughs) Yeah, but... It It was an unusually warm winter's day Mm. this past weekend when we were out in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. And Sharon, it's been a big week for you in schools? Yes, always always big and, do you know, I'm going to say big and beautiful... You know, mm. that's the, the wondrous piece about it. Um, but I did just want to um, highlight maybe not so much about the things that were discussed as much as, you know, that that opportunity of working in schools. Um, you know, it's really about by being in schools and working side by side with teachers means that we've got their eyes on their children and we did get to discuss their questions um, and consider their noticings about things so that it becomes such a personalised and like Hattie talks about, you know, with timely feedback, it isn't just about feedback, it's also about timely reflection. Um, so this this in that time um, and in the classroom or having that time to then Um, reflect and share on things afterwards um, is such a powerful learning model. Um, But this week, this past week in particular, I have been very privileged to observe um, some really intentionally planned mini lessons. Um, So for this group of teachers that are really wanting to make their mini lessons as powerful and effective and high impact as possible. I got to observe those and to reflect on those with each of the teachers. That also, well, not just in that school, but in all the schools this week, there's also been um, individual time with either teachers or with year level teams um, where we can really address some of the personalised questions that they have, the things about their students, about their noticings, about their classroom, about their learning. And so that's always, you know, unlike in the classroom, you know, I'm talking about some one-on-one or small group situations here, which we get the chance to have in classrooms. Um, and in um, this work, that opportunity to do that small group or one-on-one really does have such high impact, as we know, just in our classrooms when we get that privilege to do that with our students as well. We've been planning with leadership this week, which is, you know, looking at whole school scope and sequencing for um, their English blocks, which has been really exciting. And stemming out of two questions that I've been asked over this past week, 
and it's not like it's an unusual week that these questions were asked um, because it happens quite regularly. But the inferencing was helping students to learn how to um, develop that inferential understanding, not just the literal understanding. How can we how can we get better at that? Anyway, that leads us into um, the topic, today's topic. The topic for today, which is mm. um, inferring, but uh, it's part of a – we'd like to do a few sessions on comprehension because just inferring is just one of those aspects, isn't it? Yes. Mm. So really comprehension strategies um, and, of course, being able to infer is one of the strategies. Um, and so whilst it's – maybe not one of the – where we might think, oh, it's not one of the earlier strategies we teach. It's actually a strategy that all our students can enter into, but it's the one that I'm asked about the most. I definitely remember that feeling of other than saying to students, when you infer, you just infer <laughs> – trying to come to what was the explanation and what was the process of that was a real struggle. Now, now, I don't want to jump the gun here, Sharon, because <laughs> I s sometimes do that. Yes. But sometimes comprehension is viewed as, you know, we read a bit of text and then we answer the questions. Yes. But we're going to talk today about a different way of treating comprehension, aren't we? Well, if we think about what is comp what are comprehension strategies – they are actually specific procedures that guide students to become aware of how well they are comprehending as they are reading and writing. And with the operative word being as they're yes. reading. Yeah, yes. Or phrase, as they are reading. So these are the strategies, comprehension strategies, that are part of the thinking that we are doing, just as you said, as we are engaged in the process. So that doesn't mean that after that we're not using it after reading because to infer we have to collect a lot of information you know to get to that you know deeper understanding but yes it's not the after i finish i'm going to check on what we've um we've understood or what we've remembered. We want students to know how this works as a process, how comprehension strategies work, how are we using it, what's the thinking that we are doing and how are we working with the text with um, intentional thinking to gather the information that we're after. So it's an active thing, isn't it? We're it is. taking action in our yeah. thinking, and we're trying to find that out, trying to capture it, trying to see what the child is doing. Yes, yeah. Um, but also to be able to have our powerful explanations and demonstrations of us as teacher explaining and showing how good readers, what good readers are doing as they're reading to be able to be successfully inferring. So you're absolutely right and I'm glad that you've brought that in straight away because 
I tend to jump into, <laughs> I go further down the track too quickly. So, um, so when we think about comprehension and comprehension strategies are actually the experiences that help develop the most important of reading dispositions. We're not saying it's that other things aren't important in reading, reading disposition, but comprehension strategies, understanding text is what we're driving down. And, and whilst all the elements of reading are, have got lots of complex processes to them, that's why we want to just think about what, in what ways, and of course we'll be talking today about ways, you know, those high impact ways through, as I've said, explaining and demonstrating how these things work so that students get the chance to see how it works within text and as we're reading to try it out with us to be able to take that into their own independent practice. Comprehension as a strategic process, we know all the research tells us that it does need to be taught explicitly and strategically. So I guess that's what I really want to say is the explicit side of things, we'll talk about it within that model, that um, workshop model or gradual release model that we talk about. That's part of the explicit um, aspect of that and strategically, you know, how do we make the choices about what what to teach and what, um, you know, how often are we teaching that? How, how does that fit into our um, program? How often am I bringing comprehension mini lessons? Am I, so some of those decisions we'll talk about um, throughout this podcast. Um, that's probably enough. <laughs> Yeah, yep. <laughs> that was sorry a long-winded answer to um, your reminder to us that it's an as we are reading process. Yeah, yeah. So then we should probably now talk about what inferring is, um, because that's the strategy we're focusing on today, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So inferring requires us to be able to draw on background knowledge, and gives us permission to do so. And we merge that background knowledge with the information in the text to come to a conclusion about new ideas that aren't directly stated in the text. So before I did mention about sometimes, um, you know, in what order might we bring comprehension strategies to students, we're now saying that inferring requires us to use background knowledge. So I would want to also have taught before, I would want to explicitly teach students what does that mean to bring our background knowledge. So background knowledge is a comprehension strategy. So that would be something that I would want to bring. So the important thing here is that for all of our comprehension strategies, none of them are living in isolation of each other. These are connecting with each other to help to help us um, use the richness of text and strategic thinking and our own knowledge to form 
and, you know, to be able to build these ideas because it isn't just words on a page. It's all this active work that we're doing to get ourselves into um, into a point of where of understanding. So, um, so that's what we're saying. So giving our readers permission to merge background knowledge with information in the text to come to a conclusion about new ideas that aren't directly stated in the text. So sometimes we call that drawing conclusions. So inferring or drawing conclusions about something. And that helps readers gather more information and ideas and helps us to understand, even though we're using our background knowledge, it's really helping us to understand the writer's point of view. So what the writer is presenting here. So we gather information and um, we question details from the, the text and then we just reach a decision that makes sense. Now, all of a sudden, this is sounding like a really complex range of processes, and it is. And so we'll break this down a little bit more in the kinds of things that we're looking for and the kinds of prompts that we can give around that. And I also hope that it opens up for teachers thinking, oh my goodness, there's a whole lot of these things I'm doing and I actually hadn't thought about that as what I'm doing is getting students to infer Mm. So, at that point. So they're actually naming what they're doing, already doing. It, you know, it's not something new necessarily. That's right. Yeah. There will be things here where you'll go, oh, all right. So that's that's actually, by, by naming it as inferring, now we can start, now we can start explaining and demonstrating some things mm. to say, ah, so, you know, I've done that with my students or I talk about that with them, with my students, but this is the explicitness of comprehension strategies then is being able to name what it is that we're actually doing. If you're actually using these comprehension strategies, you're, especially inferring, you are, as you said before, you are going deeper in your understanding of the text. And I suppose ultimately your whole enjoyment of this process of reading is increasing because you're using these strategies. Yes. You know... And know how to talk about them. Yes. And know how to use them. Yeah. Because I guess if you're not doing that, um, you will, you'll be reading the text, but you won't necessarily be getting that richness out of it. That's right. And so the explicitness of these strategies, then it's like giving, it's like giving the insights when we explain and demonstrate what kind of thinking we are doing to get to a deeper level of understanding, then readers know what they can be doing rather than reading remaining a mystery of how did, how did so-and-so know that that's what happened in the text or why that character did what they did? Like how do they know those things? And there is a danger of as children get older – uh, reading at a shallow level can then lead to drop off in interest in reading. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. Mm. You know, lots of researchers have talked about this, but emerging readers, so even our youngest of readers, can begin using higher thinking skills 
to bring meaning to text in conjunction with other early reading skills that they're developing. So decoding skills, monitoring and correcting skills, so those reading processes, their comprehension, their their thinking about how the text, what meaning the text is bringing to them, um, we start that from the beginning. In fact, if we if we leave it, we don't want to leave it later. We want to we want to start those thinking processes about making really um, insightful meaning into text. We want to start that early because it is about enjoyment. It is about this is what I got from this text. That is, after all, why we read, to learn more about our world, ourself and others. So that's understanding those things. I do want to add this piece in, though, because this is from uh, many of you will know um, the work of um, Harvey and Goodvis, Stephanie Harvey and Anne Goodvis, their book Strategies That Work. Um, and I really like what they say about inferencing. And they say inferencing is the bedrock of comprehension. It is about reading faces, reading body language, reading expressions and reading tone as well as reading text. When we read and we are reading about people and events, this, this idea of, of reading expressions, authors frequently give us pictures, as do illustrations, give us insights into people's expression through illustrations or through what they tell us about the character. And the reading, the tone, how something is said in a text, how the author has guided us to read that, that gives us, that tone helps us infer what that character, what that character's meaning by that. So, so it's important for us to know that Yes, it's about lifting it from the text, but it's also about the ways in which um, it's written that means we have to read into that things like tone and expression and what we're hearing being said. Um, all right, so applying these. So applying, inferring and drawing conclusion strategies to texts we have to teach these through text. So you already alluded to that before, that we, these are strategies we're learning to use as we're reading. So as teacher, when I'm coming to explaining and demonstrating these strategies, I'm doing it through text. So I want to be able to model this thinking and we talk about the, the explicit teaching of that. We refer to that as the mini lesson time. Because that mini lesson is the time that we talk about, we explain and demonstrate as we are, we're explaining the process and demonstrating the process through text. 
So, so what I'm going to talk about now is really um, a whole lot of the inferring strategies and actions that good readers use when they're developing those inferential skills. So these are the things we can be modelling. And then, of course, in a mini lesson, we're saying we're modelling those, modelling through demonstration and explanation and giving our students the opportunity, especially if we're doing this through an ongoing read aloud or for younger ones, a picture book that we're reading aloud or story, that it's happening at that time. So we're demonstrating explicitly how we're doing that and then allowing them to continue to practice that with us as we keep reading. But we're quite explicit about what it is that we're doing. So what are some of the good reader actions? And this is where I hope people will be going, ah, oh, yeah, I, I've done that but I've never thought about that as inferring or if you already know that it's a ref, an inferential um, skill that we're doing, then good to know that, um, good confirmation that these are the things that are building those great strategies. So I think one of the things, you know, when we say, well, how do we start with inferring for our very youngest readers? And that begins with this very thing that we can explain and demonstrate that good readers notice how characters are feeling. So if we're noticing characters' feelings, we're inferring then how they're feeling, why they do the things they do, the problems that occur because of that, but character feelings is where we start with our very youngest ones. If we are noticing how characters are feeling, because what we're doing now is we're lifting off the page information and our own background knowledge to go, oh, I think they're feeling this because why? And, and that's that, where our mm. justification and evidence comes in. Because a young one could already has that background knowledge about how they feel yeah. and what feelings are and what they mean and uh, they can connect with the character straight away with yes. their own background knowledge about yeah. that. Yeah. So if in this situation something's just happened and we think, oh, how would the character be feeling? That's inferencing. We are using background knowledge and this event that's just happened to go, I think they're feeling this. And then there may be further information that we've been given. So we're not just operating on one bit of information. We might then be operating on something that the character said. Or we might see in an illustration their response to this and what their body language, so you might remember earlier where I, where um, Goodvis and Harvey talk about it's not just the text, it's looking at, so what's the body language? What's the body language in the illustration there? What does that tell us about? We're reading that and we're making inferences about how they are, how they're feeling about that. So at our very earliest levels, 
we're really getting students to not only make those um, inferences, but to talk about them. So we would, as a as a class or as a group, we then get to talk about that. What do you think, Phil? What, using your background knowledge and using what's in the text and what's in this illustration, what are you inferring that the character's feeling and why is that? So we want them to talk about, so what have they used to work that out? Not just they're feeling this or they're feeling that. How did you work that out? Well, when that happens to me, this is how I feel and when I look at that picture, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing them look, you know, with a worried line on their face or a, you know, so it's bringing all of this information and we want, we want students to know that it isn't just coming up with a right or wrong answer of they're feeling this or they're feeling that and that this person got it right and so because I was going to say something else, I'm not going to say it now because clearly it's not the right answer. We need to give them the opportunity to learn how did they get to that answer? How did they get to, I thought, based on my background, you know, when that when I saw that happen to somebody and I then saw this, then I think that's how they would feel. So discussion is an important part of um, this process too. We know with comprehension strategies it can't all just sit in our head. We need to talk that out to be able to know what our thinking even is and how did we get there and to hear how others have got there and how, oh, so they've used that information. I didn't I wasn't sure how to use that before. Right. So so that talking out is an important part of that. So at our early years, we can infer and discuss or interpret characters' feelings and their motives and attributes. So we can talk about any of those things. As we move along, what do we incorporate into that this is this is now a more um, this is stepping outside of ourselves a bit more so this is then having a perspective that's not just related to us but if we can show empathy for characters and infer their feelings and emotions then we're not just connecting it to just ourselves we're having this idea of we've got empathy we've got an understanding of how someone else might feel in that situation. So that's that's an inference, how someone else feels about something. And this is where we can probably start, you know, relating to some of the questions we get asked in those standardised tests about how was somebody feeling or why did someone do this. We frequently, you know, by say that year three level where we might be having those more standardised tests, by that time we have to be able to not just draw on our own background knowledge but have understandings of others to be able to make those inferences. So I'm just going to go through, um, you know, further down the track. Then we might infer and discuss characters' feelings and motivations through reading their dialogue. So how... What kinds of things do they say? 
how do they say it? So now we're starting to get more. So I'm just talking really about this one about feelings and motives and attributes really being, you know, this thread through the years of how we are just from that getting more sophisticated. So we might say, okay, we do characters' feelings early on, but now what about through their dialogue? How about through what they say and how they say it? Then we might infer cause and effect that influences characters' feelings and motives. So we're thinking further about, you know, more what was the cause and what was the effect of that. Then we get more advanced by following multiple characters in different episodes and infer their feelings about each other. So now it's not just what we're inferring about a character, but now well, what are these characters inferring about each other? Now it's getting interesting. It's yeah. getting – so these. this is kind of like the, the route to getting to deeper understandings about just this one thread of inferencing because as we work with more and more complex texts, we're going to have texts that will include dialogue, lots more dialogue. So by year two, three, we've got lots more dialogue in texts. I just had a brainwave, Sharon. <laughs> Beware, everybody. <laughs> How would this improve their writing? Yeah. <laughs> when they uh, start to talk in their own writing about characters' feelings towards each other, mm-hmm. how incredible would that be? Yes. And I think at the beginning when we talked about comprehension and we said that comprehension strategies are specific procedures that guide students to become aware of how well they are comprehending as they attempt to read and write – and write. Mm. Yep. We, you know, our writing is different mm. when we have been able to think through these interactions between characters, or how we make a character. How do mm. we, how do we show how a character is feeling about something? So these are all really. It, it is a brainwave, Phil. Mm. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Well, thank you. <laughs> take that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a rare moment, I know. <laughs> um, no, that's that's exactly right. Mm. So this this idea of inferencing, I mean, I just love it right here in its the feelings and motives, cause and effect for those things. Now we now this really helps us, doesn't it, to make sense of that statement that we've even got in the Australian curriculum that says we learn When we read, we learn more about the world and more about ourselves and others. And this bit right here, all this inferring that we're doing really about others is helping us learn more. What was the word I used before? Empathy. Mm. Having an understanding. So, So literal, we can see how we've moved off the literal stance here now Mm, and that we've really moved into that inferential, which we feel is hard to get to unless we we think about it in this way. So we can demonstrate, explain and demonstrate any of these things 
as we're reading in, a, in our mini lesson. So if I want to demonstrate how I am following multiple characters in different episodes, inferring their feelings about each other, so then that chapter book we've got on the go with multiple episodes, that's why I'm bringing complex text to students. I'm not saying for, I'm talking about year two, three, and mm-hmm. up we go. I'm showing them and modelling and explaining how I'm doing that. Like what am I taking notice of? Oh, I've just noticed, oh, listen, let me read this bit again. Listen to how this character just spoke to that character. Okay. What have mm. we learnt from that? Mm. So I can say, I think, um, you know, I can um, demonstrate my thinking about that and how I got there, but then I can, let me open that up because it's not just my thinking. That's, you know, I, th- I think a lot of us will find that we probably do that bit quite well, but then let's open it up because it's not the only piece of thinking <laughs> that can be happening there. Everyone, and I need to open that up to students then. So what, what, what were you thinking when this happened and how did you get there? Explain to us how you got there. So what was the thinking you were doing? How were you thinking about um, that? Because we need them articulating that to be able to that's, – that's part of the practising with us. How are they getting there? And then we're getting – we've got eyes and ears on or ears on how they are using those think-alouds like we are doing to help them get into um, – or get them through that thinking process. Um, just to keep going on, there's this whole piece about um, a character feeling, applying if you know, implying inferring to multiple characters and complex plots. So these are the things you know. Sometimes we'll say we've got children who are on low-level texts. Well, if we talk about levels, you know, sort of less complex texts, our students can't get into more complex texts without really rich comprehension strategies. They need, they might get there. So for every teacher that's ever said to me, um, okay, they're reading texts at a higher level but they're not understanding what they're reading – We want our readers, even when they are reading um, texts of a lower level, we still want them to have the – we want to introduce this complex thinking to them early so that that's going to grow with them as texts get harder. Through thinkers talking. Through thinkers talking, yeah. One of our timers tees. Yes. Um. We've already talked a little bit about this one and I'm sorry I'm still hammering on about the character's motives and causes and actions, but being able to take perspectives that um, that aren't our own. So before we talked about inferencing being like getting to the writer's viewpoint. So we need to be aware then of what are the perspectives here and they might not be our own. We can't always come at things from our own perspective 
to make sense of something. So sometimes, so this is for, and this is well into secondary as well. Mm. Mm. What are, we have to be able to come from perspectives that are unfamiliar to us to help us interpret when their perspectives are unfamiliar. So, so that, you know, we can see how this becomes just for this aspect of inferencing. It isn't just a, okay, so I got it here at this year level. We have to remember texts are getting more complex and we want our students to grow in decoding and meaning-making, understanding, so these rich comprehension strategies to enable them to grow with their texts, not just doing one aspect well in a text without the other. And then how do we build that other part? Let's, let's, keep, let's have them all being built concurrently. All right, um, let's go on. So what else comes up in inferencing then and what to infer? So this idea of, um, and I mentioned it in the beginning, but inferring um, from, from the illustrations or from pictures and in non-fiction texts. This isn't just in the realm of fiction, but what about how we use pictures to infer and, um, you know, reveal what's happening here, we have to make inferences through taking notice of um, of what's in pictures that gives us information. Now, one thing I haven't um, explicitly talked about, but I guess implicitly I've been saying this, is that through talk, this is the time where we actually want students to justify how they got where they got to. Because otherwise we get down to we're only looking for an answer. And if we've got the answer that was in my head about it, they've got, you know, yes, you've got that, but how did they get there? What's your justification for that answer? So that's that one piece for inferencing that becomes a big piece. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But what other things can we infer? So we are... Oh, I've already mentioned this, but we can infer problems or outcomes in fiction and non-fiction. So inferencing isn't just about story, even though or fiction text, even though I've spent the first, you know, 50 dot points talking about characters, feelings and motivations. Um, we can identify significant events and tell how they're related to the problem of the story or to the solution. So identifying significant events, so now evidence, what's that significant event? How does that relate to the problem? That's inferring. What event led to this? What event led to that? What event led to the problem? What event led to the solution? So these are all things that nowhere in the store in a text does it say, and there is, you know, this led to that, and that's why we have this. That's what makes text. This links back to what you were saying about writing. If we're thinking about this problem led to that 
um, or this event led to that problem, when we're writing a story, let's say, if it's fiction, and I've got a problem, something's got to lead to that. It can't just be um, that I just say, and the problem was. There was an event that led to that. So by thinking about from text, what leads to what, how did that get to there, that's all the inferencing we're doing all the time. And so that's where I come back to saying, I think there's lots of things we are already getting our readers to think about, but we just might not have talked about it as that's a strategy that you're using to help you make better under, you know, better sense and have a deeper understanding of what's happening here. And we don't always get our students or don't always give them that opportunity to talk about it, articulate it, or even to in some way catch that in their reading journal as a or write it, reader's notebook as a response to something. So sometimes you're kind of connecting the dots in your own head as to what's going on in the text. You know, you're saying that, well, yeah? Yes. Yeah, connecting yes, the dots. Yes. Might be a way to describe it. Well, it's a good way to describe it. And good readers do that. Mm. And, and for those. And talk about it. Yes. And for those who we might say, mm, they've just read all that and I've got no idea what they've read. They don't know that process of connecting the dots, as you say. So what's the thinking that we do? We think about how did this affect that? How did this play out for that? So, yes, connecting the dots. Yeah, that's – or make – no, what was the other? Drawing conclusions. Mm, mm. That's – I quite like that as a term for that's probably a little bit more concrete for some um, students. This, mm. what conclusions do you draw yep. from this? Hi, folks. This is the end of part one of our inferring podcast. And listen up next week for part two. We've decided to split them into two sections. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.